The Right Stuff with Kevin and Casey. Episode 8, Sprinkle, Dumped, or Poured. Hey there, I'm Kevin. I'm Casey. And you're here for the Right Stuff podcast. And episode to, 8? Episode 8 already. Can, Can you, you believe, believe it? That? No, I can't believe it. Crazy. And we are here to talk about baptism. Mm-hmm. Sprinkle, dunked, or poured. Yeah. Right? And uh, so, you know, this is really cool. Um, Catholics like uh have a make a big deal about baptism when it comes to babies because that's usually when we're baptized as babies as catholics and so um i know you have a cool family tradition about baptism Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i started this tradition when my first nephew was baptized um and i thought it was really kind of a cool and um i don't know i just i really liked it but i ended up getting a um baptism water like the like a water bottle yeah Yeah. um and i got it engraved with their name and then the the baptismal date on it oh cool yeah and i filled it with the water that they were actually baptized with so from the baptismal font that's very cool yeah and um so it's like kind of a a great little keepsake yeah i love they have and you know they can use the holy water for anything special occasion any special occasions or like if if they are sick or something, yeah. you know, to just like sprinkle yeah. it on them and do Super a cool. blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, well, I don't remember. I shouldn't say I remember. I was three weeks old. I was baptized at three weeks old. Tell me how you remembered. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was a complete misnomer. But, um, yeah, uh, Catholics are generally baptized at a, at a very young age, usually within the first couple of months of birth, um, which is different than a lot of our non-Catholic brothers mm-hmm. and sisters who follow more of a believer's baptism and they, and they uh, do it when they're adults or they reckon that it's time for them to be baptized. Which I guess now that I think about it, that would be more like our confirmation. Yes. 100%. Okay. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll each one of these sacraments, we're going to break them down and we'll talk about all the seven sacraments of the Catholic church, but today it's baptism. And so, yeah. And, and we can talk a little bit about that later, how it might feel like uh, a believer's baptism for confirmation mm-hmm. in that sense, because they're very interrelated and you can't really separate baptism and confirmation in the Catholic church. They're, they're kind of an extension of, of one another. So, um, yeah, I, I was going to say, I remember, but I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I remember through recollection of stories from my parents and sure. relatives, right. That I was baptized at, at three weeks old, um, which was really young, and uh, my godmother had flown in because my uncle was in the Air Force, and they they were far away, and, and my mom's next youngest sister was my godmother, and they came in for my baptism, and, and, and uh, she's my godmother, and um, I have a lot of really cool pictures because, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel ancient sometimes, but I was baptized in the 60s, and she had those really cool cat-eye glasses and really cool... Like they looked really cool back in the 60s. Of course. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's very interesting to think about how, how young we are when we're baptized in the Catholic Church. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Mm-hmm. And in Scripture, he also uh, lets us know that whole families were baptized on the same day. Meaning probably grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, and any of the kids that were in the family, even if they were babies. So, you know, in the early church, that makes sense. For us today... Baptism is really the entrance into the body of Christ. And if you're a loving parent who doesn't want to have their baby baptized 
immediately mm-hmm. to have them be a part of the body of Christ. So that's kind of where we are today and, and what we're going to be discussing today and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, hopefully that will, will interest you. Uh, Casey and I are mixing up a cocktail here, um, and it's called A Hunter, and a it's hunter. dedicated to St. Hubert. On uh, whose feast day is November 3rd. And Hubert was a Frankish nobleman who kind of foolishly one day went out hunting on Good Friday. And he uh, was chasing a deer through the forest and the animal turned around and between his antlers there was this giant glowing cross. And um, uh, he heard a voice say to him, Hubert, unless thou turnest to the Lord and leadest a holy life, thou shalt quickly go down to hell. And Hubert heeded the warning, eventually becoming a wise and holy bishop of Maastricht, which is now in the Netherlands. Um, and he, uh, there's a there's a herbal liqueur called Hubertus that is actually made and dedicated to him by the Hungarian distiller Zwek. And if you've never had Zwek, Z-W-A-C-K, um, it's from Hungary and it's very herbal and it's very cool and it's very earthy tasting. Um, it's you a great, it's a great digestivo. Like, you know what I'm starting to think though? What? Is that if you ever want to act like you are a liquor enthusiast, just describe everything as herbal <laughs> and you sound like you know what you're talking about, right? Most like definitely. it's very herbal and Earthy it's, you know, and herbal, it's, yeah. Right, right. And you just sound like you know exactly what right. you're talking about with any type of alcohol. Right. <laughs> So, um, Hubertus being like the, the, this great hunter, obviously like, uh, this particular liqueur and, or something like Jägermeister, which actually, actually absolutely means, not. Well, no, no, absolutely not. It's completely herbal, right? <laughs> um, but it means master of the hunt, that right? That's not a good herbal. Right. Um, and even potentially Ooh. Glenfiddich, which is a scotch that's dedicated to the stag. All right, I'd be right? in. Okay. I'd, I'd be into that. But As the master no, hunter. Oh, yeah. However, for us uh, in the realm of cocktails, um, you could have something called like a heart, H-A-R-T, which means uh, the red male stag who's at least five years old. That's a that's a term that's that's assigned to that in in the Scottish uh, like history. Like a hunting term. Yeah, yeah, a heart. Um, but mm-hmm. the hunter which is uh, a really good cocktail for us, um, is made with basically a rye whiskey and a cherry brandy. And it's surprisingly not sweet. It's surprisingly smooth and that sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about what's in it. Yeah. We have one and a half ounce rye whiskey, three-fourths ounce cherry brandy, one maraschino cherry. Yeah. And you just pour it all together. You can do one of two things. You can shake it. Yeah, you could shake it or um, serve it in a mixing glass filled with ice and stir it. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, we decided on the stirred um, today. Because we haven't done a stirred yet. No, we haven't done a stirred, and it's it's literally perfect. It's like, really It's a perfect good. drink, yeah. Um, and of course I supplied the amazing ice. Right? <laughs> Casey. Casey, the queen of the ice making, right? And That's sometimes how... I get fancy and put flowers in See? it. See? <laughs> but these are... Casey, every time we record, Casey has these beautiful round ice balls created for our glasses if we if we need them in the cocktail. So they're they're literally everybody's perfect. gotta have a talent. Right. Right. right? And <laughs> you make ice. making perfect I ice. I make really good ice. Right. So uh yeah, we're we're gonna get we're gonna make our cocktail and we are gonna have a chance to uh sit and chat a little bit about baptism, but I'm just gonna tell you this. Um you know we, we always need a funny and uh, I'm just going to tell you, what is the Pope's favorite musical note? 
the Pope's favorite musical note. Uh, gee, I don't know. <laughs> a holy C. Shocker. But why right. couldn't it be a holy G? Well, I guess it could. But, but you know, holy C for the Vatican. So y'all, we'll be right back oh. with you in just a second here. We're going to mix up our cocktail. going to have a hunter and uh, enjoy a little sip Saint of that. St. Hubert? Yeah. St. Hubert, pray for us. Say for the Vatican and it's a holy see? Vatican starts with a V, ding-dong. The Right Stuff with Kevin and Casey. <laughs> Episode 8, Sprinkle, Dunked, or Poured. So baptism it is. Baptism. Yeah, this is like the first of the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. right? And uh, today we're just going to try to cover a very large overview of what Catholics think of when they think of baptism. Would you say that baptism is the most important sacrament? Or do is there one in particular that is the most important? Baptism has to be the most important because you can't receive any of the others unless you're baptized. Well, that's fair. Yeah, that's the number one okay. thing, right? Mm-hmm. No, nothing else can happen unless you're baptized. So um, who can receive baptism? Anyone. Anyone. Anyone, anybody can be baptized, and that's a really beautiful thing. In the Catechism, um, it tells us in paragraph 1246, every person not yet baptized, and only such a person, is able to be baptized. What does that mean? That you have to be unbaptized to be baptized, Mm -hmm. right? Okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, it leaves a mark on your soul. Uh, we mentioned this in the overview of the sacraments that we talked about last time. What is a sacrament? But it leaves a mark on your soul that's called indelible. Some of those things uh, basically mean you can't change. It can't be changed. Like if you're baptized, you can't unbaptize. Like you might want to decide you're not going to be a Christian someday. But if you're baptized, guess what? It's an indelible mark. It changes you forever. It's never going away. Mm-hmm. So it stays with you. For your entire life, um, there are no restrictions on baptized. You, uh, baptism, you could be baptized as a baby. You could be baptized as an adult. I mean, you could be baptized on your deathbed if you're 96 and you haven't been baptized yet. None of that matters. It can happen to anybody at any time, as long as it has ha- it hasn't happened before. Yeah, and you know, um, my mom always tells this story when her dad was on his deathbed. She actually never knew if he had been baptized or not. Mm. So as we talked about last time, it just has to involve water, right? Right. So she was by his bedside and she was crying and she said, I didn't know if he had been baptized or not. So she used her own tears to baptize him, which I know that a lay person isn't supposed to baptize someone unless there's fear of Danger of death. Correct. Sure. Yeah, so um, she always talks about that, and I'm like, I love that. But if he had already been baptized... It was fine. That's fine. Right, right. So I think I always think that story is really cool. It's beautiful. Um, and you bring up a good point. Who, who can do a baptism? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the Catholic Church, primarily, uh, a priest is the primary minister for a baptism. You know, we, we know that, like... You go to the church and you schedule a time for your baby to be baptized and the priest is there. And the priest can actually abrogate that duty to a, a, a deacon, deacon, right? Mm-hmm. They can do the baptisms as well, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but let's say you are um, on a deserted island and you've never been baptized and you're afraid that you're going to die. 
and you want to be baptized, right? Who can do it there? There's not a priest, right? Mm -hmm. So you have that person that you're on the deserted island with and you say, hey, will you baptize me? And you need to say this. And you tell them what to say and you tell them to use water. Um, Joe Schmo or Jane Schmo can baptize you. That's perfectly fine. Now, let's say you were on a deserted island by yourself. Can you baptize yourself? You can't baptize yourself. But... Well, that's unfortunate. (laughs) But listen, the beauty in the fact is uh, God knows the desires of your heart. So if you wish to be baptized, your desire to be baptized gives you enough credibility to be baptized. God knows that you want to be. So he's going to treat you the same way as if you were. Interesting. Baptism of desire. It's a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those really cool things. But normally it's a priest and or a deacon who does the baptisms in a Catholic church. Um, But uh, under any sort of duress, if there's danger of death, if if there's no clergy available to do it, anyone can baptize you. Do they have to be a Christian? No. Like if I'm not baptized and I'm like about to die from a car accident, God forbid, uh, my Jewish friend that happened to be in the car with me, I can say, hey, there's a bottle of water where you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy wow. Spirit. They can baptize you. My Muslim friend, my polytheistic friend, my anybody who uh, wow. is capable of saying that. those words and using water can baptize you. That's amazing. Yeah. The normal minister of the sacrament in the Catholic Church is a priest. But, you mm-hmm. know, we we, uh, we can go beyond that and... and baptize uh, anyone basically um those extreme cases are interesting and i and i i just said you know you have to use water and you have to say i baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit that is the that is the trinitarian formula that we use as the goalpost for baptisms in the catholic church mm-hmm. um sometimes uh you know folks like Casey and I have been involved in RCIA for a long time, uh, and that is the process in which folks who are non-Catholics end up becoming Catholic and learning about the Catholic Church. Um, but they'll come from other faith traditions, and they've been baptized, um, sometimes as adults, sometimes as 14-year-olds, sometimes as whatever, um, as long as the person who baptized them uses water and says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Catholic Church will accept their baptism, and that's all that that's all that happens. So it's interesting to me, though, is that for the non-Catholics, kind of anyone can baptize them, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the Trinitarian mm-hmm. form. So why, if that's the case, why do Catholics, why does our baptism not count if it's done by a layperson? Just generally because in the Catholic Church, we have a priest who could administer sacraments. He's the normal administrator of a sacrament. In a non-Catholic Church, though they have clergy, they don't have the same technical facility that a priest does. And therefore, any pastor, any preacher, Mm -hmm. any layperson can do it because they don't have the same facilities that a Catholic Church does. It's just interesting, though, because in the non-Catholic world... I mean, anybody can baptize you. 100%. And we validate those baptisms right. as long as it was done in the Trinitarian form. Right. However, I guess there are records. There's yes. always records in churches Correct. as far as baptism. So if like Joe Schmo on the side of the road did it, right. we don't necessarily have a record of that. 
But God has records of all of that. God has records of everything. So I feel like I'm kind of answering my own question as I'm speaking to you. <laughs> Good for you. Like, so I'm doing really great. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, so can you be baptized twice? Like, that's an interesting question. Can you be baptized twice? I mean, I feel like you can. It's just not going to stick. It's not going to stick, right? <laughs> um, there you are a lot of extra blessings. You just kind of get the... 100%. Like... All right, let's do this just in case. Of course, there's grace that happens from those things. But, you know, um, one of the things that uh, came out of a part of the Reformation is the fact that, um, you know, there there was a group of people that were Protestants, people that were protesting against the Catholic Church called the Anabaptists. Okay. And the Anabaptists, uh, if we break down that word, it means re-baptism. So they were basically saying that the Catholic baptism wasn't the correct way to do it. They needed to be baptized into the Anabaptist church, the rebaptism church, right? Mm. And so um, that gives kind of birth to our modern day Baptist in that, in that sense, where that is a really important sacramental thing, even though they wouldn't refer to it as a sacrament, sure. right? But... Um, you are baptized once. You know, we, we, we say in the creed every Sunday in the Catholic Church, um, one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, right? Mm-hmm. We don't say two baptisms. We don't say one baptism unless you've come from another faith tradition. Yeah. Right? We, we literally say one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. So when you, um, when you look in, in that particular direction of, of what that actually says, it, it, it codifies the fact that no matter where you were baptized, how you were baptized, and what you were baptized from another faith tradition, as long as there was water and the Trinitarian formula being said of, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit was spoken over you, it's a valid baptism, no matter what, mm-hmm. right? Um, we alluded to the fact that there's matter and form in a sacrament, uh, in our, our uh, what is a sacraments episode. And those for baptism basically are water. That's the matter. Like, we, you have to use water. It can't be red wine. It can't be Kool-Aid. It can't be, yeah, right? (laughs) can't be beer. I mean, can we at least say white wine? White wine, no. Although I I feel like that would be a waste. It would be a waste, right? It would be a waste. No, we're Um, not going to waste good wine. No, because we need to save that for chicken or fish, right? Well, okay, but here's a question, though, because Catholics use holy water. Yes. Right? That's why it was so special for me to give um, my nieces and nephews uh, the bottle of holy water sure. that they were baptized sure. in. Well, non-Catholics don't use holy water. No. So how does that baptism stick if it's not holy water, it's just water? Why can't Catholics just use water? According to the rubrics of the church, it literally just has to be water. It doesn't have to be holy water. Okay. We utilize holy water because that water has been blessed. It adds an extra element of grace to the baptism. Does it have to be holy water? It does not have to be holy water. Just has to be water. It can't be another element. Um, the form that goes along with that, you have to be able to say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, there was a movement like back in the 60s, 70s, after Vatican II had convened and things were... Uh, I affectionately use this term, hippy-dippy. You know, it's just a, a little, little, like things were a little loose because people didn't know exactly what we were doing after yeah. Vatican II. A lot of things got turned loose and it took us 
30, 40, 50 years to be able to hone in on what we were, what we were doing. But people, um, there were a lot of clergy that were saying things like, I baptize you in the name of the creator, the redeemer, and the, and the sanctifier, right? And those obviously refer to God, the son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. But without the words, I baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit, we don't actually truly have a baptism. That's the form. Those words have to be spoken. Creator can refer to God, but let's think about this. Two parents could be a creator, right? You know, they've created a life, but neither one of them are God. So we have to utilize the form, the correct words to make it valid. And in most non-Catholic Christian faith traditions, they utilize those words. Usually only in like a Unitarian church, um, which is kind of a Pentecostal flavor, would they say something like, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, right? Right. Um, They're missing two parts of the Trinity in the baptism. So it's not valid in our eyes because they didn't baptize in the Trinitarian formula. Well, and we do have some people that come through our CIA and they're like, I'm actually not sure. Right. I'm not sure if the words that were used were in the name of the Father and in the Son and right. the Holy Spirit. So they get baptized again. Right. Right. Um, Catholics call that a conditional baptism. Um, in the event that you're not sure that you were baptized correctly um, and you want to enter into the Catholic Church, um, she does something called a conditional baptism. And what does that mean? That means you're baptized and it, it's presented as your first baptism. However, if you have been baptized, this one doesn't count. The first one was the one that would stick. This would basically be somebody pouring water on you and you getting wet. Right. And it's a beautiful celebration and there's grace filled that grace. It's full of grace basically. But the whole point is, is your first baptism would be the one that sticks. This second baptism would not be something that you would actually have stick to you as your baptism. Mm -hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, why do we baptize children? Why do you think we baptize children? Why? Well, why wouldn't we baptize <laughs> children? You know what, Case? That's a better question. Why wouldn't we? Right? Um, baptism uh, means that you enter the body of Christ. And Christ loves all of us. Like uh, a husband loves a wife like, like Christ loves his church, right? And we are all part of the church. And his love is so immense for us. Why wouldn't a parent who has a small child who needs constant care uh, not want to be baptized? Right, you want to enter that child into the church as early as possible, so that you get this very loving and and familiar and familial uh, entrance for your child. I knew you were going to say that word. Did you really? I don't know why. Oh, that's too funny. Okay, <laughs> because um, you know it, it it's one of those things. Um, Jesus literally says, you know, we 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 hear this in the Bible in in John three. Jesus says, "Amen, amen." I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. And he's very much referring to to baptism, right? And one of the things that you never want to have happen, though, like science has progressed and and you know people have much longer lives and and that sort of thing in this day and age than they did two, three, five, seven hundred years ago. Um, Infant mortality was a big deal, 
at some point in our history, right? And and a lot of babies didn't make it. A lot of people had 10 children and, and maybe five or six of them may have actually lived to adulthood. So um, one of the things that was vitally important was you baptize that baby um, to make sure they, they have a chance to go to heaven, right? That and um, I feel like some extra graces. Yeah. So I, there's a priest from back home, Father Kuhn. Yes. And uh, he's legally blind. And he was telling me the story that he was baptized, like, I think he said it was days after he was yep. born. Yep. And later in life, they discovered that he was legally blind. Mm-hmm. He couldn't see. And they sent him to um, a boarding school for the blind. But come to find out, he was baptized on the day of the patron saint of blindness. Oh, wow. Isn't wow. that crazy? No. So, I mean, I've been thinking about that. <laughs> no, though. I know what you like, mean, but yeah. I mean, it just kind of gives no. you extra graces. And when yeah, you start to, like, break it down like that, it's right. like, oh, wow. Like, that was divine intervention right yeah, there. Yeah, totally. Totally. And now he's, I mean, he's one of the most reverent priests I think I know. He's, he's wonderful. That's beautiful. Um, the early Christian church has a lot of evidence that like, uh, infants were baptized, right? Um, St. Irenaeus wrote one of the most important works of the early church against heresies. That was, you know, his, his, uh, his encyclical, uh, in the late second century. And he states that people of every age from infants to the elder elderly have been reborn in God. Given that the early Christians described rebirth in its relationship to baptism, the most reasonable interpretation that we might have of that whole thing is the fact that people of all ages were baptized within the first 150 years of the resurrection of Christ, right? The early church, um, obviously, if you were somebody who was an adult that came to Christ, um, you would have your children baptized, and then you might convince your parents to do such. So mm-hmm. all ages at that point in time were, were definitely uh, being baptized, which is a really beautiful, graceful thing in the early church. Um, today, Catholics, you know, we're children and we're baptized, and that's mostly how it works. But um, oftentimes, um, you know, as we see in our CIA, a lot of adults need to be baptized. They haven't been baptized yet. Mm-hmm. And so we get to see that beautiful grace-filled thing happen at the Easter Vigil and watch them be baptized. Oh, right? my gosh. That is such a beautiful thing when you watch them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I always feel like there's a special grace for the females because... They have to be, they have to have water poured over their head and then be back out in the <laughs> middle of church in front of everybody to do confirmation. In like two minutes In flat. like two minutes. Right. And I'm like, oh, that would not work well right. for me. That's God not an easy looking thing. out for me. Right, right. <laughs> on that one. Oh, poor things. But they rock it, man. They do oh, it every time. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Um, basically. I'm so vain. No, it's, it's okay. But it's, it's really true. That's exactly what happens. But, um. When it comes down to it, baptism is basically a gift from God to humanity, right? Like he wants us all to be with him. And so he allows us to be a part of the body of Christ. We, we become a part of his family through this baptism and baptism initiates us into the family of God. But one of the best things it does, it cleanses us from sin. Mm-hmm. It makes us a new creation, right? It wipes out everything that, that has happened prior to that. Um, Baptism is connected to faith, and this connection isn't lost when an infant is baptized. The apostolic tradition 
usually attributed to St. Hippolytus, was written in the early 3rd century, and it states, baptize first the children, and if they can speak for themselves, let them do so. Otherwise, let their parents or other relatives speak for them. So we're talking in the early church, they're telling you, hey, if a baby can't speak for him or herself, baptize them. Right, that that's that's early church. Hence, to er- godparents. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, today, the church still recognizes the connection between faith and baptism. When a child's baptized, the parent's faith speaks for the child who is too young to have that explicit faith on his or her own. And this is why the church requires a reasonable hope that the parents will raise the child in the Catholic faith before a child is baptized. Right. Um, baptism does five things very specifically for us, right? It forgives all sins that that have been committed prior to a person's baptism, including original sin, mortal sins, and venial sins, and it relieves the punishment for those sins, which is really beautiful. Um, if you you kind of you kind of luck out if you're an adult, because if you're a baby. Um, the only thing you got on you is that original sin, right? Mm-hmm. You, until you reach the age of reason, um, you can't really commit a moral when you're sin. chopping your sister's <laughs> Barbie's heads off, like you were talking about in the last episode, <laughs> something like that, right? You um, know, morbid, right? I know, I'm sorry, but but the whole point is, is like if you're an adult and you've actually committed things that might be mortal sins, that baptism completely washes you clean, mm-hmm. it forgives everything. Um, Secondly, it makes a newly baptized person a new creature, a new creation. You're you're brand new. Mm-hmm. You're you're as clean as snow. Third, it turns the person into a newly adopted son of God and a member of Christ. So, baptism definitely incorporates a person into the body of Christ. Um, fourth, it brings someone into the flock of the faithful and brings them to share in the royal priesthood of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, it, it makes us a part of the common priesthood of all believers um, into the sacramental bond of the unity of Christians. And that is just a very, very beautiful thing. Fifth, last but certainly not least, baptism leaves that indelible spiritual mark or the character of your soul of belonging to Christ. Nothing you can do will take away this mark, even if you sin a gazillion times, right? You can't you can't get rid of the indelible mark. Those sins may prevent you from being open to salvation that God offers you through baptism, but you'll always carry the mark of a Christian on your soul, therefore making a rebaptism completely impossible. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier about like danger of death and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, can someone receive the grace of baptism without being baptized? Wait, what? <laughs> can someone receive the grace of baptism without being baptized? Yeah. Yeah, of course they can. Why is right? that such a trick question? Because it, it, it sounds, it <laughs> sounds funnier than baptized, it is, right? you can receive the grace of baptism. Am of I course. understanding your question? You, yes, you are. <laughs> um, let, let's say, uh, let, let's say a person as an adult that hasn't been baptized, let's say, uh, God forbid, they develop a cancerous situation and it's a terminal case and they're going to die and they decide that they want to be baptized on this date and they don't make it to that date, right? They, they don't actually get baptized. Um, are they given the same graces um, as the baptism would allow them to have 
There was the intent there. Of course. So the of intent course the, the intent says, I want to be baptized. I want to be part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. We as humans in the shell that we're in, in the world of the living, in the, uh, the church that's fighting to get to heaven, um, we must be baptized. However, uh, God doesn't live in the same sacraments that we do, right? He lives outside the sacraments. Yeah, because I I struggle with that one. And the reason why is because I can't sit here in good conscience and believe that somebody who is not baptized is not going to heaven. Yeah. And you know what? The beauty in that is the Catholic Church says that there's an equal chance for all of us. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. Somebody that might have been raised Buddhist or somebody... That was raised just um, atheist, even. 100%. You can't fault them for not having the same exposures to Jesus and to God that we have been. Absolutely not. And you can't... I, I just don't... I, I don't, personally. And I think that the Catholic Church is with me on that. I don't think that you can say that, no, they're not going to heaven. Correct. And I do have a, a huge personal issue with this on my own. Like, um, well, I have a really God. No, I have a really dear friend. Um, I used to produce entertainment at some really nice hotels in Japan, and one of my agents there, Mr. Yamada, he's within mm. days of my dad's birthday. They're the they're the exact same age. Love this man like a second dad. And I, in my thirties, went to a priest friend of mine and said, "Hey, I'm really worried. Mr. Yamada is a Buddhist, and." Uh, um, am I going to see him in heaven someday? Like it freaked me out to know mm-hmm. that what happens if he's not there? He's not been baptized, obviously. And my priest friend said to me, um, so tell me about Mr. Yamada. And I was like, he's like the kindest man I know. He would give you the shirt off his back. Like if somebody was broken and stranded on the side of the road, he'd stop and change their tire, give them money, get them gas, all of the things. Like, And so he said to me, so you're basically essentially telling me that Mr. Yamada lives the tenets of Christ, though he doesn't know Jesus Christ like you know Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah. He was like, okay, so the beauty in that is the fact that um, God doesn't live in the sacraments. He lives outside of the sacraments, and therefore his mercy could say, you've done everything I've asked you to do, and invite him to heaven, just like any of us would through our baptism. So... There's, there's beauty in that. Um, that's, a, that's a big contention a lot with a lot of our non-Catholic mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. They don't like to think that without being baptized, anybody's going to get to heaven. Right. Uh, we're not bound by sacraments. Uh, we, I mean, we are bound by sacraments. God is not bound by but sacraments. But also not bound by earthly knowledge. Right, right. Which leads me to a lot of questions. Right. Um, matter and form, let's explicitly state it one more time because this is important. The matter of the baptism is the water and the form is Mm -hmm. I baptize you in the name of the father and of the son Mm -hmm. and of the Holy spirit that has to be spoken over you. Right. Um, and you know, Catholics and some other non-Catholic faith traditions that happen to be a little bit more liturgical, uh, like to have something that we call godparents, right? Mm -hmm. We have godparents. What's that role? What's the role of a godparent? What do they do? Right. They're, they're in essence kind of a little bit like our sponsors for confirmation. Like you have to have somebody guide you, um, but usually those are picked by your parents mm-hmm. to be to be the godparents of a child. Um, and they they really take over the role of making sure they 
uh, assist us in the development of faith in the fact that uh, in the event that our parents can't. Let's say parents uh, end up passing away and that child doesn't have parents to guide them in their faith. Whose role is it? The godparent. The godparent. That's what they do. So, Kevin, tell us, how many godchildren do you have? Don't even ask me. I've had to stop <laughs> saying yes to people. Uh, at, 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 like, what, 80, 10? No, not 80, 10. <laughs> but I do have, like, 27 godchildren. That is insane. It is. It is. I can't keep up with how many I have. I know. Like, how many do I have? I think I have five. That's pretty good. Five? Five. Yeah. That's that's hard to keep up with. I understand. How do you keep up with 27? It's it's hard. I promise you it really is hard. So um, I also think that um, we, we need to really reiterate the fact on this, this baptism conversation that it is really, uh, it's one of the seven sacraments, one of the seven sacraments, and it's really the gateway sacrament to everything that happens. You can't receive your first communion. You can't go to reconciliation. You can't be ordained a priest. You can't really get uh, 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 anointing the sick, any of the other sacraments, without having baptism. Mm -hmm. It's the first thing that happens to us. And it's the first sacrament of being fully initiated into the Catholic Church. The other two being your first Eucharist and your confirmation. But uh, baptism is vitally important for all of the rest of the sacraments that happen to us. Can you be married without being baptized? Civilly. Civilly, yeah. And it's something that's called a natural marriage. Mm -hmm. You can even get married in a Catholic church. Like one of the members, obviously, if you're married, has to be, a, yeah. right. One of the members has to be Catholic, but the other person might be unbaptized uh, and might not have any faith at all. Um, it's called a natural marriage, not a sacramental marriage. Um, but the person, if you're getting married in a Catholic church, one person has to be. Catholic and therefore mm -hmm. baptized, right? So that would happen. Um, I think that uh, we probably have a decent amount of questions that have come in for us. We so. have some questions. Yeah, I'm going to take a sip of this, Hunter, because it's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, let's get into some questions. And we'll get into some questions. We'll be back with you in a second. The Right Stuff with Kevin and Casey. Time for questions. Perfect. Are you ready? I'm going to try my best. Because some of these are really, I mean, they're good. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Baptism. Mm-hmm. Does baptism mean the same thing as being saved? Wow. You know, one of the things that I think that from most of my non-Catholic friends that say, hey, I'm saved, right? Um, they invite Jesus Christ into their heart and they say, you know, um, I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, right? That's like a big, that's a big thing, right? They're, they're now, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm coming from a cradle Catholic. Do non-Catholics view being saved as baptism? Is that their... In a sense, they view being saved as something that will get them to heaven. Okay. Um, baptism truly is the easiest tool to help you get to heaven. Right, you become a part of the body of Christ, and it gives you all of the graces to persevere as a Christian and move forward 
and uh, receive other graces that allow you to get to heaven very easily. Mm -hmm. Stating that you're saved, stating that you have Jesus Christ in your heart and he's your personal savior um, is a beautiful thing, but there's no tangible outward pouring of grace that you have. You're, you're using your own mm -hmm. intellect. You're using your own energy to get to where you feel like you need to be, right? Baptism is a beautiful tool. It, it helps us propel forward in our Christian faith. So I guess I, I, so as a teenager, that was the first time I had ever heard somebody ask me, have you been saved? Right. And I, I was really confused by that question because I didn't quite understand what they meant by that. Well, this is a can of worms simply because, you know, in the Catholic church, we don't, we don't view salvation quite the same way in that sense, because we are saved at our baptism, right. um, but that doesn't mean that things can't progress in our lives that allow us to lose that particular salvation in that sense. Like if we're unrepentant for things and we commit a mortal sin, you know, it's not like there's no guarantee we're going to get to heaven, right? There's no guarantee. So in other words, there's no, nobody can really say that they're saved in, in, that, a, in, in that the essence, Catholic. In that essence, yes. Correct. Okay. Right. The okay. only person who could ever say that is God. Like he's the one who has the mercy. He's the one that gives us the grace. We cannot, we, we presume a lot on God when we sure. say, Hey, I'm saved. Right. Yeah. Um, you might think that you are, um, but none of us is perfect and we all need Jesus Christ to reconcile right. ourselves to God. Right. Right. That's how that works. There's no way around that. Okay. Cool. Second question. I know we talked a little bit about godparents yep. and um, what their importance is, but what is your role as a godparent? If you are asked to be a godparent of mm -hmm. a child, what is your role? What is that asking of you? Okay. So I think one of the most important things that you have to realize is that um, as a godparent, um, it's not like being, you know... And most of the time, like people ask their siblings, like aunts and uncles, that kind of things, or their best friends and that, that sure. sort of thing. To be a godparent means that you are a person who will literally stand up for this child in the event that something happens to their parents. And or let's say those parents decide they're going to leave their Catholic faith. Um, it is up to you to really make sure that that child is reared in the Catholic tradition, mm -hmm. right? Um, it is, you, you've said yes to God, to looking out for this particular individual soul to make sure that they're raised in a Catholic faith, no matter what. Um, oftentimes that, that means uh, uh, a lot of interaction. It means to make sure that like, that you kind of check in on them and make sure that things are, are, Catholicly, is that a word? Catholicly going well for them. <laughs> it is now. It is now, right? We, if it isn't, we coined it. Yeah, right. Um, but um, it is literally your personal responsibility to make sure that that person uh, grows up a good Catholic. Mm -hmm. You're you're taking on that role to make sure that that happens for them. But and this is kind of opening a can of worms. But uh, I understand that. However, it's hard because you don't want to overstep the role of the parents. You don't. But I think oftentimes it's very easy to say to the parent, you chose me for this role. I take it seriously. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, true. and And sometimes you, you know, it like we think about people that have issues in life with drugs and all that kind of stuff. And there's tough love. 
this is the same kind of tough love. I'm sorry you put me in this role. Mm-hmm. I'm taking this role seriously. Sure. You know, uh, I, I realize that you have control over what happens to their lives until they're 18, 18 in your household. Mm-hmm. But I will do everything in my power to make sure that they understand this faith mm-hmm. and, and rear them and guide them in the best way I see fit. Okay. Yeah. Last question. This yeah. one this one is kind of a deep one. Um and and kind of a heart wrencher because I've heard this from quite a few people mm-hmm. from coming from grandparents. Mm-hmm. So how do you bring comfort to grandparents of grandbabies that parents choose to not baptize? Gotcha. Like potentially like Parents who are Catholic and their children end up leaving the Catholic church and then they don't baptize them in their, their faith tradition that they know and love. Or even just choose to not baptize them, period. Okay, okay. Um, you I know, think one... it would be a little bit different if they were to just choose to baptize them in some denomination yeah, yeah, one yeah. or another, right? Well, because it counts to us. Correct. Right? But right. those that just choose to not baptize them mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. how do you bring comfort to those grandparents. One of the most beautiful things to, to really understand um, in, in the fact of the Trinity is the fact that God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son, right? Um, so that we could encounter love firsthand. We could encounter God's love directly in human condition, right? Mm-hmm. And understand how God loves us that much. So. If you kind of get that point as a grandparent, as an aunt and uncle, as a brother and sister, as a best friend, as anybody who might want a child to be baptized and the parents decide they're not going to do that, the kid can decide on their own, Mm -hmm. which is kind of dealing with fire sometimes, you know, Um, that you, uh, you have to look at the fact that the parents actually, um, are raising that child. So you have to kind of let that happen, but don't discount God's love and mercy. Um, Just like the person who might've had cancer that dies before they're actually baptized, your prayers are efficacious. Your wants and needs to God are efficacious. So if you express to God, um, you know, my, my kids have kind of fallen off the path and they're not having their child baptized. And I really want that child to be, be, to be baptized. Um, God listens to your prayers. He knows. So that, that the beauty is that grace is going to flow through you and he's going to hear and understand your wants and needs, um, and treat that child, uh, with the same graces. Um, you know, it's one of those interesting things. Again, I, I, when, every time we're going to talk about sacraments, I'm probably going to say this. We are bound by sacraments. God is not. Mm-hmm. And he knows the needs and wants of your heart. Mm-hmm. So in the event that you decide that you are a grandparent and your five-year-old is not yet baptized and you're freaking out and you decide to sprinkle holy salt and holy water and put metals everywhere and all the thing, um, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's very good that you have that concern. But understand that your love does not stop because the parents haven't baptized them. God knows and hears all of mm-hmm. those things and will answer those prayers for you. Right. Always. Love has no bounds. And his grace and mercy has no bounds. And he's not bound by the sacrament. He can do anything he wants. Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. 
Well, that's a wrap. Cool. So, episode eight. Episode eight. Yeah. Wow. So y'all, if you want to follow us everywhere on our socials and everything, check out uh, Linktree, L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash The Right Stuff, T-H-E-R-I-T-E-S-T-U-F-F. And hey, visit our YouTube channel. We're going to try a new format for some of our drinks. We're going to, we're going to get... We're going to get kind of hip and do some reels and do some <laughs> cocktail mixing with our reels, right? So uh, hopefully uh, you will enjoy this podcast. Rate us a five if you love us on our Apple podcast and, and Spotify, which we're on now. And you can find us anywhere. So uh, we'll and be back with you. If you have any burning questions for us, make sure you send those in. We'd Absolutely. love to talk about those and... and uh... Go to our website, therightstuff.net, and uh, literally email us those questions, and we'll answer them for you. Or if you got a good idea for an episode, we're always happy to hear it. Spawn and Bohem. The Right Stuff with Kevin and Casey. 